Hello and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this week's new episode of Primetime Gaming with Mr. Boomstick and Friends. And for some reason, the uh, Resident Evil footage is not here. We're going to get that rolling in a second. First of all, this is an incredible... I, I am absolutely uh, thrilled for tonight's episode, folks, because, you know, this is a very small channel. It's considered an indie among the uh, the bigger channels out there. And somehow or another, my charm has boiled over to snatch uh, and to get Joe uh, on today's program. And if you don't know who Joe is, he is the designer, developer, and creator of the indie darling that is going to be talked about in many top tens in 2021, Song of Iron. Joe, welcome to the program there, brother. Boom. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Good, good. It's 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 great to have you here, brother. Thank you so much for joining us. We're looking forward to hearing exactly what you have to say regarding, uh, you know, some updates to, um, you know, Song of Iron. You'll, uh, hopefully, you'll be able to answer a couple of questions on how your quest to make this game came to fruition, where you worked prior. It's something we didn't get a chance to talk about in our interview that we did a couple about a month ago. And you have some really interesting ties to Microsoft, brother. And I can't wait for you to tell everyone about that. So let's get into the introductions. And we're going to start first with the middle-aged gamer guy. Now, if you don't know who this guy is, you probably have heard him. He's the loudest man in Canada, Mag. Welcome to the program. Yeah, well, good evening, Boom. Good evening, chat. And to our esteemed guest, Joe, and to the rest of our esteemed panel as well. And Crispy Bomb just showed up. Guys, we have an incredible show for you tonight. Yes, I am the middle-aged game guy. Everybody, hit that like button. We're going to got some great topics tonight. Things are going to get spicy. Things are going to be informative and a lot of fun. Let's get right into it. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. There's definitely going to be a lot of banter between uh, this group of, uh, of fine gentlemen. And, of course, let me just get this uh, rolling over here. You're going to see some Resident Evil Village footage. I got about – I actually recorded about six hours, but we're not doing the six-hour podcast, thank God. So you're going to get two hours for sure. Uh, let me introduce next Cybernox. This is our resident Cape Crusader. Got here in the nick of time. He's back. Hey, Cyber, welcome to the program, dude. Hey, thank you, Boom. I'm glad to be here. I got a lot more energy than I had last week, which is <laughs> feels good. You know, I'm back to almost, I would say I'm probably around 100%. So thank you, everyone, for that keeps checking up on me. I love uh, our illustrious guest here, No Joe, Song of Iron. Everyone's excited for it. And I can't wait to get into the show tonight. It's going to get spicy, like Mag said. Might get a little, little bit loud, too. So it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Well, yes, we're gonna we're gonna get into that momentarily. The way the uh, folks, uh, as we wait for the people to uh, file on in, we got a hundred people already here. Just to give you the uh, the gist of how the show is gonna run. We're gonna open up first, talking with Joe, and we're gonna find out some good information about Song of Iron, and hopefully, uh, some you know panel members are gonna have some good questions for Joe, and then we're going to move on to our experience with Resident Evil Village, also known as Resident Evil Eight, Capcom's latest masterpiece. I think it's already my game of the year 2021 i have not beaten it i am at the fourth boss as we speak and it it has been i mean like it's been a, an incredible ride and then from there the second half of the show because we're going to wait until we have a lot of people here 
We're going to talk about this documents or these documents that were released during the Apple versus Epic lawsuit. And uh, some real dirty Sony secrets were left uh, out to the masses. And there are a subset of people defending it. And uh, as you can see in the thumbnail that I made, I find it very hard to understand. And even say hard to believe how anyone could defend uh, anti-consumer behavior. And that is something that Sony is known for. It's something they continue to do. And we're going to get into it later on in the program. But next up, um, Everborn Saga. Welcome to the program. I'm glad you're here. I got nervous because you are going to be one of the loudest members on this panel regarding this particular topic on Sony. Welcome to the program, dude. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me, and th Joe, thank you for being here. You are you are a little bit further down the path that I am trying to travel, so <laughs> I, I may have a lot of questions for you, sir. Uh, I've been at I, I'm I'm in a similar situation with the uh, Everborn game. I'm the 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 writer, the the coder, the producer, all those things. So I I feel your pain, and you probably feel more pain than I do. So happy to have you here, sir. <laughs> Uh, and last and no way least, the best voice in the business who definitely needs to be cast in a Gears game in the future, Crispy Bomb. This is a late notification, but I'm glad you're here because you, my friend, have been very vocal on social media regarding the information that was leaked or put out there during this lawsuit regarding Sony and their anti-consumer practices. And you, my friend, are probably going to have a lot to say. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for that uh, real quick invite. I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> good call. But uh, I am truly honored. I am now on with two devs that are making games I'm very interested in. And and uh, yes, uh, both uh, equally as interesting. And definitely uh, kudos to you for both, both of you for just, you know, putting out and, and being here right now. It's just it's really cool. Well, thanks for being here, brother. And uh, Joe, we're going to get right to you, brother. Uh, and obviously, I sent you some of the questions that we're going to be talking about. You know, Song of Iron is an indie title that you've been working on for quite some time. Um, and uh, you know what? I got a chance to know the back history of it on where that whole story came from. But would you do me a favor and kind of tell the audience and the panel members where that story originally derived from? Because it's pretty damn interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, Song of Iron, I mean, it feels like a really kind of classic Viking game uh, at its outset, but it, it came from a D&D &D campaign with uh, some friends of mine. I really wanted to be, you know, the barbarian, and he had a really crazy uh, story written up for us, and we just, we kind of like smashed them together and made it work, and uh, it turned into a pretty awesome campaign. And uh, when I started trying to figure out what the story was going to be for Song, this just fit perfectly and so i i mean it's almost one-to-one -one, uh the dnd campaign that's it's pretty awesome super exciting yeah yeah i mean folks I, I listen when he told me that during the interview i nearly fell out of my chair because i played dnd growing up uh i, I loved it I, I loved it uh i really enjoy i have i don't play it now uh i haven't played in years but i i really enjoyed it and to hear that you know his something that he did uh you know 
for fun and he's bringing it you know to as now as a business to make a game out of is is truly remarkable for sure you know joe i you know we know that you you are obviously you're a developer you're making this game you you, you teamed up with id at xbox to put this game out on uh xbox exclusively can you give the, the the audience and of course the rest of the panel where where do your development uh, where where have you worked prior to you know going out on your own which has got to be scary um, to make your own game? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's definitely scary. Um, I, I feel pretty good because of how long I've been in games and stuff. And to your point, I started at um, a place called Play Mechanics. Most of you probably haven't heard of it because it was like a arcade kind of barroom. Uh, arcade place. I did Big Buck Hunter HD, uh, the Terminator <laughs> Salvation Cabinet. Uh, nice. And uh, some unannounced one I don't remember. I only worked there for a little bit. And then I was able to move out to California to work at Cryptic Studios, where I spent a bunch of time on Champions, uh, four years on Neverwinter Online, a bit of Star Trek Online, and then uh, like two years on an unannounced game that never quite made it, and it was going to be really good, <laughs> but it didn't didn't quite like work out. Uh, it's, a, it's a shame. But um, and then um, I got a spot at three four three as a contractor, which quickly became a full time oh, spot. Wow. And then I was uh, I was there for I think a year and a half of five, and then all through Infinite until the end of December. And then I uh, I walked away to go full time on Song of Iron. That is pretty, dude. That is pretty epic. <laughs> so, you know, listen. We we obviously we can't ask some of the super secrets behind Infinite, but that's got to be cool. That your name is going to be in the credits because that's that's obviously one of mm -hmm. the flagship titles for Microsoft. It, it's expected that to is release. the number one game I'm looking forward to. Yeah, this year. yeah. It'll oh, be uh, sure. it'll be fun to have two games uh, <laughs> this year. <laughs> Listen, uh, I want to go to Cybernox because Cyber, you had you had written two questions I thought were really super interesting. Would you like to ask Joe those two particular questions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Joe, obviously, I've been following Song of Iron for a long time too. I think it's a great game. I played the demo; really love the demo. Demo we were talking about it uh, behind the scenes. But um, what has been probably like or uh or some of what has been like one of your biggest challenges as being a solo solo developer uh pretty much developing this game yeah it, it's a tough one it kind of there's all these little things that kind of mm -hmm. build up you know i think um the hardest stuff is anything code generally just sort of that's sort of the lame answers because i'm an artist and so like code is not the way my brain works um okay luckily unreal has the blueprint stuff which is perfect for artists because it's a visual scripting language but i mean like realistically it's like holding it all together is the hardest thing i have i have to think about this 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 and this and this while i'm working on this one thing where normally it would just be like animate the punch animation and then it's like okay i'll just do yeah. that and then not think about anything else so it's been a very crazy exercise in like organization and planning ahead and all that kind of stuff that i I'm generally terrible at. And so it's been a, a big crazy thing there. And I, the other thing, which is a little different, it's a lot of people want to help do okay. voiceovers, do audio stuff, music, whatever it might be. And the hardest thing is like saying no to all these people. <laughs> and yeah. it, it's like, it hurts because they're, they're really excited. And I'm, you know, I love the idea of the help and stuff, but I, 
I'm not a manager for this. I'm like trying to make the game. And so like, yeah. it's just this inevitable thing where I have to like turn people down and it always feels so bad and, and all that. So, so but, on yeah. the other side of the coin or the other side of the spectrum, my second question would be what's one or some of your best memories so far developing the game? Yeah, I think, um, you know, every once in a while when I have fun playing, I like really remember that. It, and it's pretty rare because you're like, I know how everything works. I know the strategy, whatever. I, I'm overly efficient playing. But once in a while, I'll do something and I'll like laugh out loud because I had it like it was really cool or whatever. And those moments are pretty rare. So I really, really enjoy that. Um, mm -hmm. And then the demo, which you said when that was out in December, uh, it was crazy to see everybody playing, tons of people streaming it and putting up videos and stuff. And yeah. that's like, that's pretty mind blowing. I mean, I've released games before, but it's totally different when it's just like all of me. That's your baby exposed. right now. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very stressful, stressful thing, but uh, it's amazing at the same time. Awesome, hey, man. Joe, could you just turn up your mic just a little bit? People are saying you're a little low. Yeah, sure. I tried to pull it a little closer, but I'll... Uh, all right thank you very much yeah, yeah. uh everborn any any uh any questions you have for joe i have i have several <laughs> um so so for me right just because like you were saying like i'm also the producer on my project how do you manage like time because for me when i'm when i'm working on it and i have a new idea I just get this kind of scope creep where I'll just add a new feature and then add a new thing. And then the game has sort of reinvented itself like three times. Like I could have been on part three since I started this thing because I keep adding so much and then changing it around because of new things. How do you manage that? That is the, um, hopefully this is a bit louder. Yeah. Um, that is the hardest thing. I, I actually started, the first game I was working on was a, totally different game and it just was way out of scope for one person to do and so at some point i really just sort of like gave myself some pillars that i could not go outside of you know no multiplayer side scroller like kind of pretty basic but pretty sort of hefty rules and those have generally kept me on one path which has helped a ton and um the other thing which is more just experience from working in general in games for so long is like if player never knew you were working on something they won't miss it in the, the final game because they never gotcha. knew it existed so sometimes you just have to really ask yourself like does this make the game better or not and then tr and a lot of it's just like resisting the urge you know and that's the one of the mechanisms i do to like okay will it matter that much if this new thing is in or not um and then you write a note and you remember it for part two or whatever right, <laughs> you right, hide right. it in the chest and yeah, try to keep going. And then the other thing is 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 sort of like, um, you know, um, do you ever worry? Because I worry about this all the time. So I don't know if you have this worry. Since I'm the only person developing my project, it's like I know where everything is. It's smooth to me, but. I always wonder when I give it to other people, and I know you had a demo, but when I give it to other people, are they going to get it the way that I get it? Because I'm so into it. It's just like if you're like writing a novel, you have your own sort of meta narrative of what's going on and these references to you. So 
is that a thing that you think about? Like, cause you know, normally in larger teams, you have, you have QA testers, you have all those other things, but when you're a one man show, how, how do you, how do you handle that part of it? Making yeah, sure it's not too specific to, to you and it's yeah, more accessible. Yeah. I think, I mean, realistically, I reach out to friends or, you know, I have my wife play, I have game dev friends play um, and they don't need to be, it just could be anybody. Um, and I have them record when they play and like watch their screen and try to have them just talk their way through whatever they're doing, just speak what they're thinking about. And um, it does so much because you'll think, oh, they'll clearly just walk straight in a straight line here because right. whatever. And they just do not do that. <laughs> and, and you ask them why and they'll say they saw something or heard something or they were scared of bad guys or whatever it might be. And then you just start, you just collect all that information and try to translate it to what you're trying to achieve. Um, so it, it's tough, but it's really like, you can't trust yourself. You know, I think Boom talked about being beat up by the troll real bad. I, I was worried that it was going to be super easy in the demo. Yes, and and yes. a lot of people were like, this guy's like super hard. Um, and so that was like <laughs> a big kind of eye opener for me, but I've, I've got hundreds of hours in the game, so it's easy. Uh, it's hard for me to get beat by him, uh, but I so I have to pay. It's another thing to pay attention to. Uh, but testing feedback is like everything, and even if it's just one person, you will learn a ton. So do okay. you? En- I'm sorry. Let me ask. Uh, just yeah. tangent off of that. So do you enjoy watching the streams that people you know did while playing the demo, and probably like when you're when whenever your game releases. Uh, Will you be watching some of those streams just to see exactly what you just said? Like, oh man, yeah, this person is playing this way or a certain style rather yeah, than yeah. what I had it, in mind. Yeah, it's definitely, I can watch a couple and then I start getting really nervous about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, if someone's like pr- playing pretty well, then it's like easier. But um, the second someone starts struggling, like, I'll watch it later analytically, but it yeah. is really hard to like watch. <laughs> it's because, you know, it's just like your own stuff and you're like, oh gosh, please. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, because you, I, I've done that before. Like I've given it to the kids. I've done things like that. And then you kind of want to tell them like, no, but look over here. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, yeah. I had another question, but go on. Because, oh, here it is. Why did you go with uh, Unreal uh, over Unity, just as a single uh, developer? What was there any decision making there, or did, is it just what you you were used to? Um, I I actually wasn't overly used to either one. Um, Unreal seemed to just be an easier thing to start, and that got me going. And then the blueprints were super clean and easy for me to understand. I think Unreal has. A visual editor like that um, or a plugin for it but uh, unreal's was just built in and i really wanted to push visual fidelity and unreal's kind of just known for that a little bit more not that uh, unity can't make things look really really good um and it it just sort of kept going and it was feeling okay so i just didn't stop but i know both of them are super powerful so is is does does unreal use a c sharp or I think it's C plus plus. Okay. But, uh, I barely touch that stuff. So. Okay. Blueprints are uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Excellent, excellent. You know, Mag, let's let's get you in on the conversation. Yes, do you have any questions for Joe regarding, I, um, you know, anything that has to do with Song of Iron? 
You know, it's interesting. Uh, you guys actually pretty much covered all the questions I was going to ask. Uh, but uh, there, there's two, one, two things. One, humorous. Uh, Joe, in the chat, we have a couple of uh, female listeners, and they actually said that you're very cute. So uh, <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. And uh, <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even kidding right now. I looked at the chat. They're like, Joe's cute. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Anyhow, I did have one actual serious question. I was wondering, did the pandemic or continuing pandemic? I know that you're working on this. Uh, a lot of the work you're doing yourself. But mm -hmm. have you did you face any difficulties or any challenges uh, not being able to, let's say, see people in person, bring your product, you know, bring, bring your product to someone and just stand there and say, hey, give this a try or you know what I mean? Like any kind of collaboration. Uh, did you have any difficulties with that or do you still face difficulties with that? Honestly, and it's weird to say, the the pandemic helped me a lot in this case. Um, really? It's mm -hmm. sort of, you know, it's two hours a day that I wasn't commuting when I was doing both three for three in this. And so that was mm -hmm. two more hours that I could work on it a day. Um, the delay of E3 last year <coughs> gave me time to be in E3, even though it was for like three seconds in the pre-show. That mm -hmm. kind of like put it on the map for a lot of Xbox people that just had no clue. And that was like the announcement that it was coming to Xbox. Oh, Otherwise, I wouldn't have been in the show. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of little stuff like that. And then um, it would be great for shows like live shows to be going and I could be bringing it to them and stuff. But mm -hmm. never having done it before, I don't know what I'm missing. So it doesn't feel too much like I'm missing out. But mm -hmm. Maybe when it's all back to normal and I and I get to do shows for this or the next one or something, I'll be like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, it would have been so much easier or whatever. But um, because it's just me, it's just sort of been pretty simple, honestly. Right. Oh, yeah. good. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, good to yeah. hear. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Great, great questions. Crispy, let's get you. I know that this you, you jumped in at the last minute, brother. But do you have any questions you might want to ask Joe before we start talking about some Resident Evil? Well, I mean, it's actually cool because I'm definitely interested in Song of Iron. Um, you know, I, I look at the game and, you know, it's it presented to me, it looks like something that I've never seen. Um, you know, I, I see, like, the colors with the background, with the shadows and everything else. One question I have is, is are you trying to bring a different gravity to the, the gameplay or the, the, the fighting mechanics in that game to really make it feel visceral, even though it's a side-scroller? Yeah, I think, um, you know, my animation background, which is what I did for the last 15 years, has been a huge part of what's helping me, I think, kind of get exactly that thing across. You know, I want people to feel really immersed in the world, and I think animation because that's my my thing. I think that really helps a lot and that like lets people believe the world is real if motion is real. And so I've been really pushing combat to feel super visceral and all that and then on top of the animation, I've been trying to make combat something that's very um intuitive. So uh, the drop kick which everybody likes just came from a kick. And then you go, well, if I'm jumping and I do it, what happens? A slightly altered version. I have an axe. Shouldn't I be able to throw it? Yeah, absolutely. Throw the axe. And a bunch of other little stuff like that. And I think all of that together uh, is sort of making it feel surprisingly different than other games, which it was never really the intent. <clears throat> but um, I just want you to jump in and, and feel like you're at a bar and a fight starts and you're breaking chairs over people's heads and throwing, <laughs> you know, 
beer bottles across the room and stuff. And that's really like one of the mentalities that I ask myself, you know, if I'm still in the barroom brawl vibe. And if I am, then I'm in a good place. You sold me. <laughs> you sold me. Just, just, I've already seen it, but you sold me. Just in what you just said right there. Awesome, dude. Oh, awesome. <laughs> now, now, real quick, uh, Joel, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people know this about the, the game itself, but this is actually being built as a trilogy. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that was uh, another one of those little things I tried to do to scope myself was I had a story, came from the D&D campaign, and I knew it was going to be a big one or it felt like big so i chopped it up and um if everything goes well here then hopefully we'll get two and three but it's, nice yeah. that that's pretty interesting that you know it, it, it almost i mean again i don't want you to blush on on, on camera but it's very george lucas-esque because when he wrote star wars he wrote this giant you know, epilogue, right? This this giant story that he wound up cutting down into in, into the films that we have today, and uh, to know that again that this 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 uh, the whole story derives from your D and D, which we obviously know campaigns can be huge, right? So campaigns could last a year if you, if you have a good DM, right? And uh, like I said, I, this is I guess I I I've been telling you know we were talking in the green room before we went live. Song of Iron is one of my most anticipated games simply because, not just because I got a chance to have you on the show, and just because I got a chance to, in to interview you. It is something that's right up my alley. It is it is a 2D, single-player, story-driven, adult-themed, narrative type of, ty of game that gives the player what seems to be a lot of choice. Now, one other thing I want to just kind of ask you, what about the, the, the RPG-esque system with the game? Um, are you going to be able to, to level up the character? Are you going to carry different weapons? Are the weapons breakable, like in Breath of the Wild? Yeah, so, I mean, I really appreciate comparing me to George Lucas. That's something else. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take 1% uh, of that if I can. We'll see how it goes. Um, I, I mean, you know, that's actually a really good comparison. I think remembering some of the original Star Wars movies and how actually pretty simple they are. I mean, you start on Tatooine and you fly to the Star you know, the Death Star and you, and then that's sort of the first movie, right? It's really simple. There's not very many stuff that happens or like major events. And that's really what I'm after. Um, and then the trilogy then adds kind of the depth to it. Um, the RPG wise, there's actually pretty little of it. What I'm after is a little bit more like a Mega Man X style. Okay. There's, excellent. There's, um, you know, there's one helmet out in the world that you have to go find that there's one chest armor. There's one, you know, there's a gauntlet for each arm and there's boots. And as you find them, you did, that's how you're leveling up as you're getting this gear. The gear holds all of your magic. So the flaming sword or flaming axes and the, and the lightning arrows and all that stuff that comes from the gear. So you never have to worry about um, keeping hold of like the fire axe plus one or something. It's just one of more of the many axes. Pick okay. it up, light it on fire, fight, throw it, whatever you want to do. Pick the next thing up, light that on fire. Nice. Um, what I want, I, I really like the Breath of the Wild system, but I know a lot of people hate the sort of like losing the items they really like. So I kind of just got rid of that part of it. And I okay. put all the cool Very effects wise. on the on the permanent gear, um, and then and then you're not scared to like spend it in every combat. 
And I think mm-hmm. so many of my trailers and my gameplay is like I'm firing arrows and throwing axes all over the place. That feels <laughs> really fun. So I didn't want you to ever like not want to do that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then there's a little bit of leveling up just like you'll get some stat increases, but I, it's all about simplicity. I'm just trying to get you through and I want you just to have fun the whole time and not worry about menus or picking the wrong skill or anything like that. It's just like, I'm giving you the sandbox and I'll give you a little bit more stuff along the way and hopefully you have fun. Nice. That sounds awesome. That definitely sounds awesome. And and I I think there's going to be a lot of people that appreciate your ideology in, again, Breath of the Wild is an epic masterpiece in in so many ways. I, I spent so much time cooking in that game. It could have been its own cooking game, right? That's how much fun I had with it. But I think the one of the biggest complaints, I didn't personally have a, a problem with it, but the breaking weapons. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. fact that you 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 realized that before you made the game, and you're like, yeah, I kind of want people just to enjoy themselves and not worry about that. That is that is tremendously forward thinking. And just goes to show you that you definitely are a master of your craft because that is something that a lot of people enjoyed the game and loved the game, but hated that aspect about it. Um but listen, again, I, I know we can't talk release dates. We, 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 can't, uh, we, we know it's coming in 2021 for sure. Uh, but um, my last question to you is, because you're doing this on your own, I, wh- where do the nerve factors get into as you get close to this game? Because we've talked with Everborn. You know, he's, he's self-proclaimed like yourself. He's, he's, he created the Everborn saga. He's doing like he told you, everything himself. You know, he launched a very successful um, campaign to get people to back it, and it went really well. Um, where, wh- wh- how, how does that make you feel as you're getting closer? Because as you're putting it together, it's just a job. It's something you want to do, but now it's getting real. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is nerve wracking. You know, I think um, there's so many little things to get done to release, you know, getting all the achievements and, all, and like making sure it's working on all the systems and all this sort of little stuff. And it, th- that list is like long and hard to know until you find all the pieces to it and so it's it's like the fear is what don't i know that i'm gonna have to do really quickly to get there but luckily that demo taught me a ton so i do feel like i generally know everything i need uh, minus a couple little things that i know about and then you know i'm super happy that everybody's excited it's so (laughs) nerve-wracking just being afraid that like i've done a bad job of you know, being true to the game in the way I speak about it, I try very hard to only ever say exactly what's going on. And, um, you know, talking about playtime and what the systems are and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I just hope that I just, you know, I just really hope people like it. Oh, I, 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 I just can't know until it's until it's in everybody's <laughs> hands. <laughs> well, listen, we look forward to it uh, when it releases later on in 2021. Uh, I cannot wait to see uh, how the people are going to respond, and I, and I believe that people are going to respond in a big way. Uh, you, you've you've been the talk of the town in the community for quite some time because, like I told you privately, and I'll say it publicly, you definitely have something special here, and uh, I honestly cannot uh, thank you enough for not only being a part of today's show but giving me the chance to interview you and help uh you know promote the 
uh, this incredible title that I think a lot of people are, are going to dig. But I want to move on to the next topic. But before I do, I want to catch up with some of these outstanding Super Chats. First of all, the first one of the night comes to us from Tim Swoop, who drops a very generous $5 Super Chat and says, Hey, Boom, been watching, been waiting to watch and listen to the podcast all day, and your panel are awesome. Everyone like and subscribe to this amazing channel. Well, Tim, thank you so much for the generosity. But more importantly, brother, thank you for the very kind work. Words. Isaac Gentry in the chat drops a very generous five dollar super chances. Hey, boom! Just wanted to say thanks for keeping the positivity in the community. Well, dude, it's an honor. Thank you for the generosity, but thank you for the compliment as well. And I think we had another one pop in here. Let me see if I could find it real quick. Um, okay, yeah, new type uh, gunpla. I think we know who that guy is. He's a part of the panel. He is. Unfortunately, we're talking about Tempest Sun is not going to be able to make it. He is really getting stuck with work. But of course, he drops a five dollar super chat and says, Workday from hell is keeping me from the show right now. But kill it, fellas. Well, thank you so much, uh, Tempest. Definitely. We'll see you next week for sure. But folks, folks, we got to move on to game of the year 2021. Should I should I actually say that uh and I you know first of all I, Joe I want to go to you first because as a developer you get a chance to work on you work with studios like 343 which you did which is again that 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 you should write a book one day because that's pretty epic. Um and then you're making your own game which is incredible. But when you see uh Capcom a company that has was founded in 1976. Like they've been around a very, very, very long time, and obviously they've released a ridiculous amount of Resident Evils over the years. And of course, some have been fantastic, some have been not so fantastic. And they've reinvented the wheel with Resident Seven. And then obviously, it won a ton of awards. Um, it was the first time Resident Evil, um, the main series, was in first person. And here we are playing, as you can see on the screen. Resident Evil Village, and I gotta say, and not only am I having a blast, I think everyone on the panel is having a blast. Are you happy to see games that have been that have such long teeth, like Resident Evil, still be a valuable piece of the community in in a big way? Yeah, absolutely. I think like Resident Evil and Zelda, which we've talked about, Final Fantasy. They're all these like amazing examples of games that don't have to just be direct sequels all the time and so they can they can play with stuff i mean resident evil is like gone through ebbs and flows constantly all of those games have you know resident evil 4 was huge and that kind of like came out of nowhere and became one of the best games and it's awesome because i think too the developers have some level of like ground to stand on already but then they can try new stuff knowing they've got this sort of core thing and uh, I think that's like a really powerful thing, and it's nice that Capcom lets them experiment with the with the IP and push it uh, in different directions, and that that's awesome. I think it's really good. Now, have you had a chance to play RE8 yet, or no? Unfortunately, not. I haven't had a chance to play much. <laughs> I've got a lot of catching up to do uh, once I'm well, done with stuff. But you know what? I freak. I knew the answer, but I had I had wanted to ask anyway. I mean, obviously, you're making a game. I mean, you barely have time to to eat, let alone you know play games on top of that. But oh, listen, I, I appreciate the honesty. And yeah, I agree with you. I I think that when you see uh, something like Resident Evil, because listen, there were a lot of people that were after Resident Six. People didn't know what to expect with seven, 
right? Seven came out and it it shocked the world it, 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 in in the best way possible because six was so terrible. Six tried to be an action movie and Resident Evil and three other things at the same time. And you know, sometimes when you try to do too many things, it you know, like anything, it ruins the the broth when you try to put too much stuff in there. And that's what wound up happening with Resident Six. And unfortunately, they were able to rebound with Seven. Uh, a lot of people were worried about uh, about eight because you know when you're talking about vampires and lichens, you're like, well, that's not really the Resident Evil I grew up with. Yeah. But I'm here <laughs> to tell you that it all makes sense. You just have to play the game. I, I want to get to the panel though, uh, and I want to go to Mag first. Mag, you have been raving, yes, about Resident Evil Village. Like I think even more so than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, how, did, did you beat the game? How far have you gotten? And is it your game of the year 2021? Uh, so far, if you could believe this, I would put this in so far. Uh, my top two games of 2021 are Resident Evil 8 and Outriders. Nice. And I know Outriders is not a very popular opinion, but I got to tell you, I got that thousand out of a thousand on it. And I adored that game i, I, I loved every minute of that game yeah yeah I, I i adored it and uh anyways i'm done with that but anyways resident evil i was there day one when i walked into video games plus and i looked up at the wall and there was like you know the old bubble tv mm-hmm. and i'm like what the <laughs> hell are you playing dude because it was just like you know like the old days you just had a dude sit, sitting behind the counter smoking and like playing a video game 90s and he's like oh man i'm playing this new game called resident evil man you gotta buy it I'm like, uh, okay. And I just bought it for my PlayStation <laughs> one and fast forward 25 years. And here we are. And it's, it hasn't lost its potency with me at all, except for resident evil six, just like you said. Uh, but resident evil seven brought it back so, so hard that I just, that you just get that amnesia about resident evil six. Uh, you know what I mean? You just forget it happened. And I'm just like, you know what? Resident evil is back. It's better than ever. The first person view thing is incredible. Uh, anyways, Resident Evil 8. I've been waiting since they announced this. I have been I had a candle in my window waiting for this game. It's finally here. And let me tell you something, boom. I have not beat it. And you ready for this? Travesty. I am seven and a half hours in, and I just finished the first boss. Dude, that's okay, because you're you're a you're a completist. You now, like I'm myself. A compl- you, yes. you like to check every nook and cranny. I agree. Now, yeah. Here's the thing. I am literally staring at the walls. I like my wife came downstairs and I was playing, right? And I'm looking at the artwork. I swear to God, when you're walking upstairs on the second floor, I'm not going to get any, by the way, no spoilers, anyone, please. So I'm going to avoid the chat too, because I, I literally just finished the first boss. That's it. However, I went upstairs and I'm looking around and I'm looking at all the detailed, ornate decorations on the walls. And my wife comes down. She goes, What are you doing? I wasn't moving. And I'm like, I'm looking at the wall sconces. And she's like, Why? And I'm like, Look. <laughs> I'm like, someone spent 400 hours drawing that, okay? I go, look at that. Look at the wall. And it's unbelievable. And the funny thing is I tried to find patterns, right? I tried to see if there were any patterns. There were no patterns. They were all individually like individually carved or, well, in this case, drawn. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they were all designed individually. It looked like they were hand-painted, for Christ's sake. And I'm just sitting here like, the detail in this game is remarkable. The, the ray tracing is excellent. Um, the gameplay itself is excellent. It's exactly what I wanted. And the thing is, the bigger thing is, it still feels like Resident Evil. It's got that quirkiness, that little bit of weirdness, little bit of wildness, little bit of scariness. But the one thing that it has never lost is its atmosphere. And 
so some people that know me is that I am a 1950s, 1960s horror buff. Like, yeah. I'm talking Vincent Price. Boom, you know this. Like, the Vincent Price stuff, House of Wax, Gimme House on Haunted Hill. I nice. want the whole movie to be, like, you know, gothic sets with three feet of fog on the ground. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then like, you got the guy with the fog machine behind the camera blowing it, and there goes Vincent Price walking out, you know, or Christopher Lee, that kind of stuff, right? So this is right up my alley, right? This is what I enjoy. This is what I love. And I walk into this game, and it is exactly what I wanted. It is exactly what I expected. And at the same time, it still feels like Resident Evil, but at the same time, I said that twice, it feels like a new experience. And it doesn't feel like Resident Evil 4. You know, some people are like, ah, it's just Resident Evil 4 just now. And I'm like, not really. It doesn't have the same vibe to me, right? And that's the way I feel about it. But anyways, so far, like I said, I'm about seven and a half hours in, and I literally finished the first boss because I am soaking this in because I know it's going to be another four or five years before we get another one. So that's always my deepest fear, right? I, I play the game, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't want you to end. Then I have to wait another four years, you know, for what I would presume would be some kind of a trilogy or something, maybe a first person trilogy, who the hell knows, but that's kind of where I am. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking it in. I'm drinking it like a fine wine, just like sipping away room by room and just breaking down everything. And I just absolutely adore it. Uh, the enemies are great. They're varied. The bosses are wonderful. The dialogue is good. There's only one thing with the dialogue. Sorry, there's only one thing I'm going to say, and it's it's completely spoiler-free for anybody. Uh, there's two things that Ethan Winters say, says that I absolutely had to drop the controller. I couldn't stop laughing. At one point, like the, the dialogue's great, well-written, well-acted, except for this two lines. One line, he says, why does everybody just keep dying on me? <laughs> and I almost pissed my pants because it just... It seemed like he was almost like he broke the fourth wall there. You know what I mean? Like kind of just talking to us. I, I, Mag, you, yeah. you 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 read my mind right there. I, I was listening to the, that. That was what I, yeah. you remember that line. And it's, it's almost like a Ferris Bueller's the, Day it's, Off it's, moment. It's, it's like right before you go into the castle for the first time when yes. that person, you know, in in the yeah yeah. yeah I don't want to give it, but yeah. It, it's just like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off moment where he's just like, why does everybody just keep dying on me? And I almost pissed myself. And the other one was, and I know it was meant to have more gravitas and some more gravity to it, but it came out funny when Ethan Winters just says, do your worst. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, Ethan. I could have written some better dialogue. But besides that, the game is magnificent. And uh, it has a little bit of cheese in it, which I think is de obviously deliberate to some extent. Right. Now, I mean, it's I Resident Evil for crying it's out It's Resident loud. Evil, right? But I haven't got to the end of the story because I have some suspicions about some weird things that have happened, which are not possible, generally speaking. And I'm like, that that can't happen. How did that happen? But I'm like, maybe it'll be explained. So I'm not going to say anything more. I just say that I absolutely adore it. And so far... Uh, like I said, uh, you know, tied with Outriders would have to be my two games of the year thus far. Yeah, well, I, I, nothing wrong with that. Sounds fantastic. Everborn Saga, let's get your opinion on Resident Evil Village. How far have you gotten, and uh, are you as as excited as we are to finish this game, and then probably start it immediately right after? Well, I'm going to tell you, this is like. This is the most excited I've been about a Resident Evil game in, I don't know, nearly a decade. Because I didn't play 7. I wasn't actually on board with the switch to first person. Uh, because I, I I didn't feel like I liked that they were changing the story. and I, But I didn't think that like 
they needed to go first person to do that. But I, I do, I, I've always respected that they were willing to do that, right? Because that's how these franchises that, you know, we've grown up with, right? Over the better part of three decades, this is one of them, where it is different every time. They're not locked in, right, to any specific uh, type of gameplay. And, 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 I, and I respect that them. I respect them for that, right? That they were willing to take that risk. And I, I was one of the Luddites that, that skipped seven. So I, this is my first first person Resident Evil. And I have been blown away thus far. The performances, the, the atmosphere, it looks really great. I'm playing with the ray tracing on. Seems like I'm getting 60 FPS most of the time. Um, another thing is, I don't know if it's just me, but I really feel like they have captured the essence of Resident Evil 1, like the first one. Yeah. With this, just the way the castle is set up, that sense of exploration, the the, the inventory system, it really feels like I have the same feelings. Like, and and you know, Resident Evil is has always been one for uh corny lions, Mag. I'm sure you remember you are almost a Jill sandwich. Right, <laughs> which may be the greatest line in all of video games. Now, the, the the other thing is, um, you know, and I hear the game is now, Mag. You said you've been in it for seven hours, but I hear you can yes. run through it in eight hours if you kind of like, yeah, but your way through. No, 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 travesty. That's that's a that's a slap to the face of the developers, in my opinion. Get like soak it in, man. Soak in the hard work that these guys put in. That's what I say. No, no, I, like I, I want to explore, but I'm what I'm saying is I'm not holding that as a knock against it because I don't. I'm one of those people who doesn't think every game needs to be 200 hours, where 80 of those hour or or, or 100 of those 200 hours are fetch quests, right? Like I, everything feels like it has a narrative purpose here, and I and I and I and I love it for that. So and then, um, I like I. I may be like two hours into it. Like I, I haven't gotten to the first boss yet, but I, but I'm inside the castle um, and I'm looking for some kind of a key, which I'll, I'll find that. But like, I cannot say enough about it. And the game of the year so far talk. Yes. And the funny thing is like, uh, and I know maybe we'll talk about this later. Another game I really loved this year was, was Returnal, which now, you know, because of all the issues it's having, like this has taken that spot. And I don't want to go back to that because I was going to wait until they ironed out the, the bugs. But now this is here and I feel like this is going to take up all my time. And then, you know, maybe Ratchet and Clank will be out later. So um, I, I if I'm like if I'm rating this thing so far, it's a nine out of ten for me. Like I I, I love it. It is it, it, it's great. And it, it's it just feels like like the Resident Evil I remember. Yeah, no, I abs absolutely agree. Let's get cyber, cyber, cyber of iron in here. Uh, cyber, <laughs> <laughs> like that change real quick. Um, have you had a chance to play Resident Evil Village yet? So I unfortunately have not, not because I don't want to it, but because I'm on the same camp as Everborn. I haven't played seven yet. I have seven. And I was speaking I, I, to I Mag. Could see the, I could see the hashtags cancel cyber of iron. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've already got two I, in the chat. I literally I, I spoke to, to Mag about this. I was like, hey, man, you know, I, I haven't played seven yet. And as soon as I said I haven't played seven, he said, hey, 
my thunderbalonis coming out, eh? What are you doing? <laughs> reaches off across the phone and like literally smacks me upside the head. Mm -hmm. He's like, what are you doing? I told him so, to start yeah. it immediately. It's in Game Pass, for crying out loud. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I, I bought it when it came out. Oh, okay. So um, I, I did too, by the way. First. That's the story yeah. of my life, buying games. Just uh, to say I got them. And then I know, man. they go into back. But um, it's great to see how much uh, uh, the success that has happened with the release of uh, a or, or village, let's say, has done for the franchise, right? Like we've seen a, a crazy number on. Uh, I think you might, I don't know if you mentioned that boom. Yeah, Twitch. no, we're, we're actually. I'm. I'm gonna. You know what's? It's funny you should say yeah, yeah. that before. Let, let me just read the stats. Yeah, and absolutely. Then I, I, how did you come back into it, folks? If if you're wondering. If Resident Evil is getting long in the tooth, if you're wondering if this has any legs left in the franchise, let me let me break down some numbers for you. That's basically proven that not only is uh, Resident Evil bigger than it's ever been, I think it even surprised Capcom. The franchise, according to numerous numbers from that I was able to pull from Twitch and uh, and and Steam, uh, broke records respectively. Uh, most most uh, sales on Steam in uh, of a Resident Evil game ever, and it was the biggest Twitch success in what seems like years. They had a hundred thousand concurrent players on Steam, making it the biggest PC launch in the history of the franchise. It destroyed Twitch records, and here's some numbers for you folks. It had six hundred thousand. Right, and that 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 record was previously held by Resident Evil Two Remake at three fourteen k, and then it's filed, and then slightly above that was Resident Evil Remake, Resident Evil Three Remake, which topped out at three hundred and eighteen thousand uh, concurrent, and it, it doubled that, folks. It's currently holding an eighty five on Metacritic on PC. It's an 84 on PS5, and for some very strange reason, it's an 82 on the Xbox Series X, and it only has six posted reviews. Like, I, I don't understand uh, why only six reviews yeah. for, the, for the Xbox version, which is the superior version, and that's, that's proven. But again, this is, this is, you know, it's the media we're talking about. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, 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 Cyber, when you hear those numbers, do you see Resident Evil slowing down anytime soon absolutely not you know um and i think it's uh extremely s smart and i think joe met, uh touched on this a little bit that they that capcom have gotten themselves a great strategy with the resident evil franchise between going from first person to third person i think when you i think they feel kind of like two different games you know or even almost as two different genres when you're playing from first person to third person but the atmosphere and the ambiance and everything is still there, you know, as a Resident Evil game. <clears throat> and the numbers you said, Broom, they're completely astronomical. They're amazing numbers. And it just sh goes to show you, like, how how much gamers are actually uh, starving some uh, for some of these bigger AAA games. Like, if you think about it this year, um, Outriders was probably... Outriders is the only triple a game that released this year so far is that correct or i know i mean well, mlb the show is that oh mlb the show too yeah. sure but that's very you know so um i will say that however like some of these numbers can be a bit this uh deceptive not just because the franchise is not doing great but for what i said 
so many people are looking just to get their hands on a big triple a game and i think the the stars lined up for resident evil and i think it's 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 something that the franchise is really going to benefit from because the more people play this game the more they enjoy it the more you see people talking about it they love the villains in this game lady yeah. d people he's talking about her, cosplayers all over the place so yeah man this game i think it has the highest peak player kind of like what you mentioned ever for the resident evil franchise in in the uh, resident evil franchise history so it, it continues to peak on player counts uh for a capcom game so now th this franchise is not slowing down it it could potentially just get bigger and bigger after this release. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Here's a here's a question, maybe for for everybody. Actually, two questions. But do we think that like maybe more uh, franchises should try things like that, especially like the ones we grew up with? So, like, let's say I don't know the 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 next Gears is a first person, or the the next Halo after Infinite is a third person, whatever. Like, just completely jump outside of the the way people know it but still respecting the essence of it well like, look at god you see that with absolutely. any other absolutely like yeah. look at god of war even though it wasn't as drastic uh -huh. i mean it was third person a third person but essentially if you look at the first three god of wars or whatever six of them if you include the the little side games those were essentially like 2d slash 3d you know what i mean they were almost right. side scrollers in a way so to speak whatever but uh or almost like crash bandicoot kind of idea right but i mean like look at that look at they did there and then they kind of reinvented God of War, and then it kind of went in a different direction because, you know what, you could use a fresh take. Why not? But I think but with the Resident Evil situation, going from third person to first person has increased that fear factor because now I'm afraid to open doors. Yeah. Where, like, when I'm, you know what I mean? Like when you're yeah, playing I Resident feel Evil like I'm going to turn around and so, there's going to be like a, a lichen or one of, the, one right. of these. Uh, or you hear something people, behind yeah. you. Right? Yeah. But the thing is, if you hear something behind you in some of the old Resident Evils, you actually saw the dude because you could see your character standing right in front of you. Right. So, you, you know, it kind of takes it away like you're it almost feels like you're watching at that point, at least for that kind of genre. Right. But no. then when you enter first person, holy. Yeah. And, you know what? Like, yeah, and, and they're going to make Resident Evil four for the quest in VR, which I'm. Yes. Super I, day one, for. baby. We'll see. Joe, let's get your opinion on that question. Do you think that uh, other other um, big time franchises need to potentially take a, a, a chance like Resident Evil? See, I, I, I think that the reason why they went to first person was out of being backed into a corner necessity because six failed so bad. Uh, and they hadn't had a big, I mean, like five, I loved it, but it, it didn't, it didn't, you know, do it for a lot of people. The last big, you know, um, uh, big game for them was Resident 4. So it was a while before they had a hit. Do you, th do you, do you think other uh, people should, uh, other developers or publishers should take a chance like this? Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be switching perspectives. I, I mean, I, I bet this game is almost as good in third person. I mean, you know, if we think of like uh, Dead Space, they did a really restricted camera, even though it was third person. And you got you like the slow turns and it was just as scary because mm -hmm. you couldn't really see around corners, you know. But it it's it's all about ch taking chances. I think smaller changes, if you if we look at and I know Halo pretty well, we look at you know, Reach or ODST, 
like those were departures to an extent from the core and those are thought of mm -hmm. as really good entries into the system i would love to see more stuff like that you know there's yeah. so many of these ips have these huge worlds and there's no reason you don't put a small team on a smaller piece of the ip to try stuff out go crazy and then use what you learn on the next major iteration. I mean, like games need to be able to learn constantly. And that part of that fear is all this money into this new stuff. Let a 20 man team work on, you know, some side project of the universe, try some crazy stuff out, bring it into the main line. Nice. Later. Yeah. Hey, I mean, Joe, I, you, you I know, think that'd be awesome. On that note, something I always wanted to see, cause I, I feel like lot got a bad rap in, um, in Guardians, but I, I wish they would have made Nightfall instead of a Netflix uh, series or however it was. It was released in the Master Chief Collection first, I think. But um, I wish Nightfall was like a third person Dead Space kind of game with Locke in it. Just something in the Halo universe, but a complete departure. And it doesn't have to take away from the, the main uh, Master Chief campaigns, but I, I really feel like it's a great character that that um, people uh, should appreciate a little bit more. Now, I don't mean to go on a little Halo tangent right now, but you <laughs> threw that you threw that uh, volleyball up. Locke, I, I kind of uh, I agree with you. He he could have been a very interesting character. I think, in my personal opinion, it was just um, they were forcing a new character they forced this new character into us too fast. You know, they wanted him to be the antagonist to maybe branch him off on another Halo story on, on his own journey, you know, just like Master Chief, but we would have Locke. Locke, Locke would have his own game, kind of like what you said, uh, Everborn. The problem is they forced that into a Master Chief's game and that didn't work out well. Yeah, That's have my... having played him sort of in a separate campaign initially, I think really would have changed people's perspective. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing, and I'll, I have to watch myself, I think part of the issue is like, there's a perspective that we, that was tried to make him too equal to Chief. And we like, yeah. Halo people know, you know, the Spartan 2s versus the Spartan 3s and 4s and stuff. Like there's a massive difference. And then having that not really like ha be a part of the game and that they basically were the exact same. I think that, it makes him uninteresting because he's the exact same as Chief, just a different character. If you if you give him his own strengths and weaknesses, then he becomes so much more interesting. And that's just the that you know blue team versus Osiris, mm -hmm. uh, and that's like, I always like to see that. You know, you want to see it's like any magic system that has no drawbacks. It always feels cheap and fake versus something that like costs you something to do. And if we had seen the differences, I think we would have loved all of those characters much better. Um, I felt better about playing as them and stuff. And something else hurt Locke, and it had nothing to do with them. The marketing for the game. Yeah, right? it was it was it, presenting it, 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 a story that like, it was just like wasn't ugh. there. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see Locke come back, maybe in an ODST type game, something. Just, Locke, Locke, I think Locke got a bad rap. Mm. I want, you know. Well, we'll that see. Intro, I mean, I, I, that, that, from what we understand, that. and obviously Joe can't say anything, but we've heard rumors that there's going to be multiple characters um, outside. Of the, you know, Infinite is going to be a 10-year living, breathing thing. It's not just going to be one game from what we understand. So it, it, I, I'm hoping to say, listen, I want Craig the Brute 
to be a character. <laughs> like, I, I think I, they should do a whole backstory for him, right? That he should join the Marines because he wants revenge against, um, the, you know, the, yeah, Atriox for killing his parents. I mean, make it a revenge tale. <laughs> Why not? I love it. I love it. Um, but listen, uh, let's get Crispy Bomb's uh, opinion on Resident Evil Village, and then we're going to get into the main crux of today's program. Crispy, have you had a chance to play Resident Evil Village yet? Um, I just want to backtrack real quick off of what Everborn said. Um, you know, your question was very, very cool, but I also think that the next evolution in perspective would be allowing us to pick. I think that would be a huge thing. And I think for somebody like me that really has only, you know, kind of dipped and dabbed in like halos and stuff like that. The first person just, I, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I think some games would really open up with, with me being allowed it. And yes, it might be a little messed up at first or whatever. I will take that. Okay. I am not a huge first person fan. I want to be able to see my character, see what's going on around me. That's just, it's a me problem. But that's why I, I'm like, like the only reason why Resident Evil right now is like kind of speaking to me is because I'm a huge Underworld fan. A lot of people may not know yeah, that franchise. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> but, 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 you know, Lycans, Vampires, like I'm getting that vibe as I've watched more and more people play it. And it's really not spoiling the story for me because it seems like a brand new story. And, and trust me, Resident Evil probably got ruined from the movies more than anything from me because, like, I watch every single one of them and they all didn't make sense. And I'm like, and all these games are coming out and they're like, they kind of don't make sense. But then you kind of look back and say, you know, uh, this virus, you could just say, has mutated and allowed certain people to have certain abilities and everything else. Like, it's pretty explainable because of the movies, but at the same time, the movies was always still like zombie like organisms or whatever. And this more feels like, you know, you're, you're, you're facing like a different scare factor, as I like to say, you know, so something that's totally different from what we're used to. And I mean, from what I've seen, it's definitely interesting. Am I going to buy it for, you know, the full on $70, $60? No, but if it goes on sale for 30, yeah, I'm probably going to pick it up. I mean, I'd, and, and I might not, I might not finish the game, but I might be playing it. My girlfriend might be watching. Be like, I'll finish the game. You know what I mean? So it'll be worth it in the end. But if it grabs me with with the way that you know this whole underworld vibe, I kind of get from it. Except it's like, it's like the rise of the lichens underworld. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's something that you know really gravitates towards me because I really I, I enjoyed a most of those movies some of them were a little you know far fetched but some of them really went into that you know vampires versus werewolves type thing and I I really enjoyed that and, and for them to be doing this is is impressive I mean you know people are loving it I I, I say you know those 5 out of 10s on metacritic are trash I think they're bullshit because yeah. too many people I respect that would, would call it out if they didn't like it are saying it's a great game. And, you know, like I said, just because of the first-person perspective, wouldn't pick it up for full price, but definitely looking towards it as it drops in price. Yeah, well, You're making a really good point, I think, just about, like, accessibility of games. You know, 
the idea of like a super easy mode too, right? Like that's not for the average person to play, but if someone's not good at games, but they love horror, let them play through this and not worry about needing to restart constantly from death or whatever, right? Like you can say it in there. It's just like, I'm really bad at games. Let me play this, please. Like that's how easy this is. But like it would let people play through this, you know, that would never think about it otherwise. And I think and that, that's a great point. Absolutely. I think, yeah, it would be super good for the industry in general to do a lot more of that. And, you know, I'm kind of trying to think of something like that for song. I think it would be great. Just like a, yeah, don't die mode or something. <laughs> I don't, <I> don't want to <laughs> die kind of thing, but it's just, you know, most 90% of the people you hope play the intended way. But for the people who like you, it's just like, I just don't like first person shooters. So I'm not going to play it. It's like, here's a few options for you, you know, to try to encourage you to play anyway. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a great point. Listen to folks, this is, this has been a great opening act. Uh, you know, first hour, we got a chance to hang out with Joe. He's going to hang out with us for the remainder of the program. We're going to get into a really big topic right now. I have to thank a couple of people that dropped super chats in here. Stamps 1646 drops a very generous $10 super chat and says, RE Engine is a beautiful game engine. Love the panel this evening and topics. Happy days. Well, thank you, Stamps, for being here. And of course, thank you for the generosity. We also had another super chat come in from CYV Studio. They drop a $5 super chat and says, great panel. I'm loving village i don't know if it's the only if it's only me but some moments in the game gave me metro exodus vibes i just love it joe stay humble joe will stay humble for of course he's going to stay humble he's a gentleman um but listen folks we're going to get into the big topic of the evening and i saved it for the second half of the show because i wanted people to get in here and you know hear what we had to say now obviously there are several people on this panel that uh have a lot to say about the information that shocked many people not only in the gaming community but in the gaming media and this information that i'm talking about um comes out of the apple versus epic court proceedings and they have unearthed a ton of new information uh regarding sony's inability to put players first now as someone who got into the business of content creation because of the way xbox was being talked about by the media I find that even though uh, in recent months or even last year or so, the tide is turning thanks to Phil Spencer's community first ideology. Now, PlayStation is not held to the same standards that many uh, uh, topics of tonight's show are going to be we're going to be talking about. It seems to be uh, an industry that uh, allows Sony to do things that if it were Xbox, and again, I don't want to turn this into an us versus them. Unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about this because the first thing that jumps off the page is the way Jim Ryan's uh, PlayStation, and of course I say Jim Ryan's because he is the head of PlayStation, handled crossplay, and how they're the only company in the entire game space charging for the ability to play with new and old friends across multiple platforms now what i want to do is i want to i want to pull up uh, in my in my dms i actually sent it to myself i want to read that um that letter 
uh, that was uh, unearthed during this these proceedings. And this was Epic writing to PlayStation. It says, we love working with PlayStation, and we want this to be a win-win. The longer this drags out, it will be less so. I can't think of a scenario where Epic doesn't get what we want. That possibility went out the door when Fortnite became the biggest game on your platform. Here's what I propose. We give you the data you're asking for, plus the marketing data ask. Epic deeply integrates Sony's eSports API into the Unreal Engine 4 as an engine-level feature. We market and advertise it at a, as a first-class citizen of the engine, maybe E3 announcement, and we support it in Fortnite. We announce cross-play in conjunction with Sony. Epic goes out of its way to make Sony look like the heroes. You get to pick when, where, and how. Epic brands its E3 presence with PlayStation. We're planning a 100-player Celebrity Pro AM, and after a huge after-party, um, budgets I've seen are huge, and it will be the biggest ever event, uh, biggest event at three E3 ever. Maybe we announce with all of the celebs on stage the new partnership. Epic's willing to explore more items. Maybe we commit to a game at launch of your next VR platform, PlayStation Plus. Maybe we do something extra special for a month, or for a unique character, or something highly valuable to drive PlayStation Plus adoption rates even more. <clears throat> Epic extends the Sony com company-wide uh, Unreal Engine 4 license. I don't think I've mentioned this before, but your license to use Unreal Engine 4 expires in May of 2019. That license has some of the best terms we've ever offered for uh, the Unreal Engine 4. And lastly, as they close out this email, let's make this a huge win for all of us. Epic's not changing its mind on the issue, so let's just agree on it now. Can we can we just take one moment to acknowledge the terror tactics from Tim Sweeney in <laughs> every one of these emails? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. He just... Whew, I will get into it. I'm sorry. Like, No, no, no. Everyone let's, you read, he's let's, just let's, like... Let's go, go to you, let's let's go to you first on this because you 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 wrote to me privately and you know you know one of the things as you saw in this thumbnail that I put together was the fact that Sony is one of the is is a company that let's say, let me let me just give up some examples you know with all of the issues that Returnal is currently having and of course I feel terrible for Housemark because obviously they're a, they're an indie developer. Uh, I really think that they should have already been purchased or added to SIE permanently as a first-party studio. That has not happened as of yet. They still refuse to give refunds for this game. Uh, several people in the community posted uh, conversations that they had with customer service who outright refused, even though the game is, is broken and, and has been broken for quite some time. Um, it, what, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty unbelievable how quickly... The swift removal of CD Projekt Red's Cyberpunk 2077 came, and they refused to pull uh, Returnal off the store, even though it's it's still broken. Um, obviously, we've we've heard uh, the the recent announcement after the Epic Apple battle that's still going on that SIE LLC is operating is being sued for being operating an unlawful monopoly by restricting purchases of PlayStation games to its in-house store. 
and this is what comes out of a, 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 a you know a claim filed by the people. Um, and uh, this was a proposed class action lawsuit um, because Sony does not allow you to buy any games outside of PSN, meaning Amazon, Best Buy, Walmart. They do not sell download codes for PlayStation games. And obviously, PlayStation is making money on uh, on you know if you buy them if you buy them digital versus when you buy them. Um, for the disc, it's sometimes you get good sales, and Sony does not want to see that happen. W where do you want to attack this from, Everborn? I mean, so th there's several things, right? Like, because I'm not super happy. Like, okay, like as a, as a as a, a, I guess we can call ourselves pundits, right? As a pundit in the space, I'm like super interested to see these backdoor dealings, but like everybody's dirty laundry is getting aired out. And like, I, I, I'm just wondering how, cause this is, this is Epic versus Apple. I, I'm wondering how Sony and Microsoft feel like being dragged into all this. I know Microsoft wanted to be there cause like they kind of have a vested interest in this somehow uh, because I feel like Microsoft is using this as a proxy to sort of go after Apple to get xCloud, uh, to get that xCloud restriction moved because Apple has their own sort of, uh, and you don't want to get me started on Apple uh, and their sort of uh, anti-consumer anti uh, uh, practices, right? So we're, yeah, so I'm not going to go there, but my point is everyone's dragged into it. And now Sony's dragged into it. And like in Every one of those emails, it seems like it was a just a bunch of assholes talking to each other, except for Phil. Phil came off super nice in all of the emails that got released, which is because it's like if if you've ever met him like at an E3 or anything like that, like he sounds in those emails exactly the way he sounds in an interview or if yeah. you if you bump into him at a show. And I think that's that's super cool. So that's the that's the way the 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 you know that, that that's the cool thing about it. Now, I say this every week, right? It ain't show friends, it's show business, right? And the only people that are gonna show Sony that this shit isn't cool is gonna be us, right? Right. Whether because what you voting with your dollar is the only thing that matters, right? So now. In regards to the 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 crossplay payment thing, I've never heard of anything like that, and I don't know why Epic would agree to that. Because what does I that agree. say? That says, okay, hey, if you want to do crossplay, you have to open your books to us, show us every dollar you made, and then give us money if we're losing anything from it, right? So, so that to me is is crazy, and it's also I, I don't like I, I have things to say about Sony broader, which I think we will come to, but like I I feel like um, we don't know. There could be some backdoor Xbox deals that we might not be like super excited about if we heard about it. So these backdoor deals happen all the time, and I think it's kind of unfortunate for them it's hilarious to me because i'm i'm reading all these emails i'm watching uh hogue law to break these things down with popcorn right i love it but for them <laughs> I, I i don't know that there that anybody comes out except for phil 
Phil came out looking lovely after this, but everybody else, man, it's this thing's nasty and it's it's gonna get worse, right? So um I want to put a pin in it there. I think that um don't ever think that Sony is there for you. Like the first time I was on this show, my first guest appearance, I said Sony's approach really is we got the games, you want the games, F you. Right? Right. That's it. So so I want to I want to pause there, but I'm going to jump back in because I, I want to see where, where this goes. But I, I, ha, I, ha, I this is not unexpected. You know, Joe, I, I want to bring you into the conversation. Um, obviously, from a developer's point of view, we, we understand that it's a business at the end of the day. Like, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, we come to these podcasts and we talk about our love of, you know, Game X or Company X. This lawsuit really dragged in just about everybody. Like I did not anticipate, I did not see this happening. And I'm, I'm former law enforcement, right? So I don't really, I, I dealt with law, criminal law. I never dealt with civil law. It just, it just wasn't my thing. Um, but to see Microsoft, to see Sony be brought into the mix of this, where they actually had to go and have people there testifying for them. What 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 were your thoughts about the way they handle crossplay? Because based on the, the 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 facts, and again, this is not a suggestion, folks. This is actual documentation that I read through. Sony was and still is against crossplay. They want you playing on their console. They don't care about anyone else's. And um, to see that they're 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 actually charging them, I'm, I'm actually surprised that Epic went along with it. To be honest with you, I mean, you, you heard in the email, he said we there, there really isn't a it really isn't a situation where we don't get what we want because it's Epic and it's Fortnite and it is the biggest uh, game on PlayStation. Were you surprised by um, a lot of the the information that came out of this? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think um, you know, in a lot of ways like xbox is already like way ahead of the game when it comes to this stuff and so they've kind of like seen the future and they're 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 choosing to work with everybody i think i mean nintendo also allowed crossplay because they you know it's hard to be nintendo and not like encourage everybody to be friends because that's kind of right. like their, that's what, that's their, their thing. mo you know yeah. <laughs> i think i think sony probably thought that they were big enough that they could and probably were afraid and thought that the the change was wrong, like the change to lower commission fees and all that stuff. And they probably thought that they could bully the industry to stay in this in the same kind of path and go back to, you know, being more isolated. And I think they were afraid of losing all that income. And so, um, you know, they thought that they could enforce people to go to their store. It's the same thing with um, just the e-store in general, like not letting digital things be sold anywhere else. I think they're afraid of like every percentage being lost. And and in the meantime, you know, Xbox is dropping um, Windows store commissions from 30% to 12% to, you know, with, with the that developers are going to need to pay. And they're choosing to let all ships rise with the tide. And Sony is still fighting for every single penny to come to them is that's how it appears at least and i'm not super educated on the topic so it's it's unfortunate i think there's some stuff in there for like smaller developers where like you only have to pay if you have x amount of people playing or something like that but it's unfortunate i i really wish that they would and the whole industry i really hope kind of lowers that commission fee to depending on the platforms and stuff but because i think the average is like 30 percent, and that's a ton 
uh, especially for someone like myself or, 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 you know, any of the smaller indie devs, 30% of income could mean the difference between, uh, you know, SQL or no SQL. So I, it feels really not great for Sony and I really wish that they would, you know, play ball with everybody. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah, well, I mean, just, listen, to, to, just to that to that one thirty percent point, because I know a lot of us will say it doesn't matter, and this goes across the board, right? Because uh, on the Xbox, it's still thirty percent for now. We've seen some other things that said maybe that could change in the future, even though they said maybe not. Like Steam the 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 consumer is paying that fee, right? Because like the developer has to mark up the cost of what they may want to sell a a product for to account for that cost, right? So it does cost you as the gamer if you think it doesn't matter. It may not be that like, okay, the game was, um, let's say a game's $10. It's not like uh, if if the fee was different that, you know, you know, that you're going to pay the same. Any, any, I think anyone is going to build in costs, like uh, costs to go to production into whatever selling price they have. So those things are factored in. So it does cost, cost us more. Sorry, I just wanted to add that in. Well, no, what I wanted to, to, to kind of go on uh, Joe's point here is that we, we, the reason why Epic Games dropped it from 12 because they're competing with the biggest uh, PC uh, game, manuf- you know, a place to buy games in Steam, right? Steam still charges 30%. Steam is in everyone's household. Everyone loves Steam, right? And they, were, they, they launched the Epic Game Store because they had, a, they had a dream that they wanted to do what Steam was doing on top of already the game development and, and how much money they were making hand office with, um, with Fortnite and, they can, and still continue to make money on that game. Um, it the twelve percent Microsoft conversation. I, I think what wind up happening is that got out before they wanted to tell us or tell the development community because that's something that that that's a that's a an announcement they make at GDC that gets picked up by every publication. Everyone goes crazy, and I still think it's going to happen. To be honest with you, and I think when it happens, it's really going to pigeonhole Sony because Sony. I don't think will. I don't think a can they afford to do that. Or would they do that? And that's just one of those things that Joe was saying that uh, it's it's he you know I, I I always hope Sony does better, and at every corner they disappoint. Now I'm not going to sit here and tell you for a second that I don't enjoy their games. I have a PlayStation Five. I have plenty of PlayStation Five games. I cannot wait to get my hands on Ratchet and Clank. I, I I've been very vocal about how I'm not buying Returnal A because it's broken and B there's no save in the game and I am not going to, you know, play the game for 3 hours and lose everything that I just found. I'm I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to punish myself like that. But that's that's here nor there. Mag, I I want to go to you next because I think that you have a lot to say on what's been going on with Sony and what has come out yeah. of this Epic versus Apple. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> before I get started, you're going to have to have a little patience with me because I kind of want to paint a picture first. Paint all you want, brother. Be, you and... know, be a Picasso. <laughs> it's, it's all right. I want to paint a picture first as to how I think we got to this point, or at least at least got to this point in terms of the information. Now, I know that some people are, you know, can refute what I say. That's fine. You know, and there are different reasons. But these are my takes. These are what This is what I'm thinking is going on. Now, when you guys are talking about the digital game scenario, we all know what that's about. What's going on there is that Sony's trying to control the pricing. 
Okay. They're trying to control the price. They don't want you, just like you were saying, they don't want you to buy a game for 50 bucks off Amazon. They want you to buy it for 70 US, 105 for me in Canada. Right. And uh, you're right. And they want to control that. If they want to put a sale on, they'll do it themselves. But we've already seen so far with the PS5. Look what's going on right now. It's been seven months. Demon Souls is still $105 up here. Miles Morales is still full price. Okay, $105 for the deluxe edition, whatever the hell it is, and, and whatever else, right? They're not lowering those prices. They're keeping them exactly like they are. They're doing, they're, I think that what they're doing is going the Nintendo route in terms of that. You know, like you could buy a game from eight years ago, it's still full price. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. But, anyways, that's a whole other thing. Let me paint this picture first, and I'm just going to take a, a trip back from about a year ago. Okay? They were saying they weren't showing the PS5 because of COVID. Lies. Okay? In my opinion, lies. They weren't showing the PS5 because they weren't ready. They weren't showing the box. Already suspect again. The campaign of the only with the power of the PS5 and all of that business, right? Remember that? And only with the power of the SSD. And then in a tweet later that day, those games are coming to the PS4. They lied to us again. And I'm not talking them, okay? I'm not an X-Bot. I'm not a Sony pony. I just happen to own everything. And I like to enjoy everything, so I look at it objectively, okay? I've given Microsoft shit lots last July and August and September, okay, when they were tripping over their own feet. People seem to forget that. But now I'm talking about Sony, and I'm not going to be very forgiving, okay, because I'm looking at this whole year. Now, my experience and my street smarts tell me that when, what they're trying to do, okay, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to sell a PS5. They're trying to secure a product. They're trying to sell a product. But using deception to do this, to sell your product, okay, when, meanwhile, when your competition is laying down all their cards and the transparency and everything else, okay, then, of course, let's move on forward. Then we've got the supervised hands-on. You remember that? Yeah. With Austin Powers? <laughs> Not allowed to see the back of the machine? We weren't even allowed to see the back of the machine. What were they hiding? They did not want us to see that there wasn't an external SSD, the whole that all nonsense, whatever. Then there was the all overheating issues. Then you can't put it into rest mode. Once this is once we got them in our hands. I got mine. I got a PS5 the first week. It came out. Okay? Then we can't put it in rest mode. No expandable SSD. It was promised. It's seven months. Where are you at, Don? Where are you at? Seven months. Okay? Still not there. Rest mode, still not fixed. The returnal situation. I heard some reviewers were talking about it saying, oh, well, you know, if someone doesn't have time for three-hour play, maybe you could put it into rest mode and you'd be able to stop for a minute. Oh, whoa, sorry, you can't. Because if you, put a game, if you put the game into rest mode, the PS5 might have a nuclear meltdown. Okay? House marquee having their earlier, earlier performance problems and their bugs. They were saying it was a PS5 hardware issue. What were they, the answers? They actually we did say that. Yeah, they, they say that publicly in a forum post that they sent their findings right. to, uh, to uh, SIE, and it, it, it's on their end, not on the game's end. Yeah. Exactly. And what's the answer we got from Sony? Oh, well, nothing. That's, that's yeah. what we got. Then I just talked about it earlier, the price. Okay? When you've got your competition doing Game Pass, doing what they're doing, I understand Sony does not have the expendable income that Microsoft has. But to jack your prices even higher is so... It's not bold. That's not bold. That's stupid. That's just plain stupid by trying to do something like that. Be more competitive, not go the opposite direction. You know, like I understand Sony games are the best, some of the best first party games on the market. I understand that. I get it. I'm part of that. Okay. All of 2020, I played basically PS4. Okay. I barely picked up my Xbox that year, last year. 
Okay? And I was playing PlayStation the whole time. I get it. But to jack up the price is even higher. This is not the way you do it. You're slapping your, you're slapping the, the, your customers in the face. Then, of course, now we hear the new news. The console is coming in late. Uh, consoles won't be in better supply until late 2022. Not 2022, six months from now, seven months from now. Late 2020, uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. That's a year and a half from now. And I ask myself, why? COVID? Okay, maybe. But why a year and a half? Then, I, then you start hearing whispers about the 2022 redesign of the PS5. Okay, and this is where, my, this is where I'm thinking. This is a lie. Another one. My take is this. The PS5, we all know, was not ready. Okay? It, they were taken off balance by that infamous December 2019 Series X reveal that's, that Phil came on stage and knocked everybody's socks off with that whole thing. No, they weren't ready for that. They were not ready for Phil Spencer's Xbox. They were not ready for Phil Spencer's generation. They were not ready for the transparency. They weren't for the confidence, the aggression, the business moves of Microsoft this generation. So what had happened? Then what ended up happening is they started patching together like a friggin' Frankenstein. They started patching together this PF5. Just get it out the door. Just get it out the door to match the Xbox release date. I also thought that that was also another conspiracy, that they just threw it out there just to get it out there to, to match the Xbox because they did not want another PS3 360 generation. I get it. Then you had the performance issues, the problems, the issues, the underpowered. I think that what's happening here is that they are deliberately delaying the PS5, deliberately, to late 2022 so they can re-release it. They can re-release an upgraded PS5 to match the power of the Series X. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question, Mag. How yeah. many people do you think are going to care about power then? If no, but well, then no, that's no, when no, it's no. going to become an issue. Yeah, then then everybody's going to care. Well, about all the power people again. that said power doesn't matter. I I, right? I, I got receipts. Here's the th- yeah. I want to well, see what happens if if that comes to pass. Where absolutely, and you know what? Mark it here. Time stamp it here so we can replay it for everybody in a year and a half from now. Now the thing is, this to me, as a consumer of the PlayStation Five, all the Playstations. Okay, I was there lined up in ninety. What was it? 94, 95, whatever year it was. I was lined up. And I got my PS1 for like $1,000, okay, day one. All right, I was there. But for an early adopter of the PS5, if this does happen, okay, this is a slap to the face to every early PS5 owner, present company included, okay, every early adopter of this product, okay, when they should have released that product day one. And if they couldn't meet that demand, then and they couldn't meet that delay, uh, sorry, that date, what they should have done is they should have delayed it until it was ready. I feel like I'm eating a half-baked muffin, okay? Put it back, finish it. I don't like to taste the batter. I want a finished muffin. Put it back. That's the way I see it. And the reason, anyways, I, I don't want to get too off topic here, but the reason why I brought this all up, it all ties into Epic, Apple, Sony, all of this. This is the picture I was trying to paint here, okay? It all adds up to this. This is what this company is up to. The cross-play situation, it's a, that's bully tactics, Okay, I get that. That's bully tactics. And what they're trying to do, they're trying to assert their dominance. I understand. The problem is we now know. Now, okay, we know. We see it now. And that's not a good look. I understand that every company out there, whether it's Apple, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's Google, whether it's Sony, whether it's Amazon, doesn't matter who it is. They're all there to scrape every dollar, okay, out of our pockets. It's like scraping the bottom of a peanut butter jar. 
Okay, Th- that they're taking every dollar they can from us. I get it. That's business. The way that they're doing it, or at least the perception of what they're doing, especially with what this going this back and forth with Epic, with Sony carrying on in this way, is very arrogant. And it portrays greed. Now, I understand all corporations are greedy. I get it. They want everything from us. Okay, that's fine. We basically work just to pay them. I get it. But when you're portray- when it comes to PR, when this stuff comes out, it makes you look even worse. So then what ends up happening is I read all these things. I read all the emails, boom. I saw all the articles. And what did it make me do? I can't be the only person thinking this. What I did is that I went back and I thought of all the shady shit that they've been up to for the last year and a half. This adds up and it says, yep. Then I just confirmed my suspicions. That's what this whole situation did. And so the reason why I brought up all that other stuff is because it just painted that picture of exactly the kind of company that you're dealing with. Microsoft are no angels. They step on necks. Okay, they don't step on toes. Why do you think they're a trillion dollar company? Okay, you don't get there by being nice. I get it. But these tactics are being done by Sony, are not being done by Microsoft or Nintendo. Right. They're only being done by Sony. And so you cannot not point your fingers at them. And the fact that people are forgetting about it, you know what's going to happen? Everborn said it two weeks ago. The minute Ratchet and Clank drops, and you know it's going to be good. My God, it looks gorgeous. It looks incredible. I can't wait to play it. But the minute that game drops, everybody's going to be like, fuck it. Don't care anymore. Give me the game. And they're going to forget about all this other stuff. And this is unfortunate because what they're doing is that in the end, it's anti-consumer, and it's against everything that you should be celebrating. And they're still celebrating. And it's not, it doesn't matter if you have the best product on the market. It just shows that, that you're celebrating the wrong reasons. And it's ridiculous and it needs to be pointed out and they need to be straightened out in order to move forward. And the only way that that's going to happen is that if F- Xbox takes the bull by the horns and drives this generation and they put themselves in the, in the driver's seat. Mind you, everybody knows that, let's let's face it, quietly, Nintendo is the market leader. But, I mean, when it comes to competition, we're talking Xbox and Sony. You know, my, Nintendo is, like, in their own galaxy, basically, right? But if Xbox takes the, by the, uh, the bull by the horns, takes this generation and leads a generation and basically runs the narrative, then Sony will change. But until then, as long as people allow them to keep getting away with this kind of stuff, it'll never change. All right, let me let me let me jump. If I'm if it's okay, can I? Yeah, jump jump on in. Okay. So 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 here's the thing, Mag. You tell me. Matter of fact, everybody on the panel, tell me what we are gonna do day one when Ratchet comes out. I'm gonna gonna buy it like an asshole. All right, there you go. I'm going to stare at it and not lie. (laughs) And 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 so this is. I think this is the problem. I think the only fix to this because everything you said is correct, right? It is. It's it's terrible tactics. They're not there for you, but at the end of the day, the the only way to fix this is with competition, and this is why you need competition, because they are doing these things, say it with me, because they can't, right? Never expect somebody to do the right thing, because at the end of the day, cross-play, while it is good for everyone, and I think it is more beneficial for the industry as a whole, and I think... Sony holding this back is holding back gaming as a whole, holding back crossplay. Guess what? 
financially, they have the most to lose. And I'm not saying I'm justifying it. I'm saying this is why it happens, right? They are the market leader. They have a pipeline of games that people want to play coming out to the point. And then they are the darting darlings of the media. But I would argue that the media is, this is why you can't really like trust them because the media is not really pro Sony or whatever. They're pro the winner, right? And they will switch sides so quick if they see that that's what will get them more clicks. Well, you're right? seeing that so, now. You're, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. That is you're true. literally seeing that right so, now. So the way to change the media bias, which totally exists, is 100% for Phil to con to succeed. Phil has to succeed and convince the world that, and it seems like he's doing it, that Game Pass is the future, that we don't have to worry about generations anymore, and they have to move unit and, and units and release games that uh, make the industry stop and take note. Because if they don't, all of this gets worse. Maybe, maybe the next generation or the next two years, we Sony just says, you know what, games are eighty dollars now. What are you gonna do? Not play God of War? Uh, well, then right? I don't buy right. them, and, and then then that's when uh, I stop buying games. I don't know, because yeah. like I'm not happy about seventy dollars, but guess what? When you put uh, the next Horizon in front of me, or you put Ratchet or Ragnarok in front of me, seventy dollars, even though I'm against it. Guess what? Probably gonna get it. And they yeah, know, but, that. but yeah, but you're saying if they decided to raise it to eighty dollars just because they think I'm they can, it does, but I, it I would not buy their games. It, it doesn't. It doesn't unless someone pushes back. The customer, like, pushes back and says, "I'm not buying it." That's the only way this stops. That's the only way they learn. They're not going to uh, do the right thing, right? That that that's never going to happen, and. Um, I, like I'm, I'm sorry. Like if, if, and, and to your point about the, um, the, the PS4, the PS5 potentially not being its final form, right? Because yes. they released it early. That's I said this. Time. I said this in the private chat. I think there's a reason the console looks like Frieza from Dragon Ball, right? <laughs> it's not. It's not the final form, right? No. But I, I, like I said, I'm Late just 2022 I'm, Everborn. I'm sorry. Come on. But but now let me ask you a question because what I think he, did he really just put his arm back he on? He put his hand back on. Stop watching. Stop watching. Stop watching, everybody. You're gonna get spoiled. Okay. So that's it was a, it was a Lego character. Don't worry about it. I completely lost my train of thought with that. I apologize. Go ahead. I can't think anymore. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll Ethan Winters is the is the million dollar man, bro. It, oh my god. It's yeah, made out of Lego. Don't worry about it. Listen, it I, I think no, it, but the jacket, the jacket connected. The jacket got too. healed. That dude, it's it, it, it's, it's, it's 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 dude, it's 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 unbelievable. Listen, don't let that ruin the game for you. I, I sat back in my chair and I laugh, I laughed so hard when I saw him, and then he moves his fingers like, okay, yeah. I didn't just have my hand chopped off, but it it, it the, the, the magic juice made it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the 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 water inside the uh, the bottle, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Sprinkle it on, it's all good. Yeah, you know what? Let's it let's was emotion. <laughs> Let, let's yeah. uh, let's continue with Cybernox on the cyber. Listen, you heard what everyone has had to say so far. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I, look, 
again, I, I have a PlayStation 5. I've had every Sony PlayStation. I've had every Vita. I've had every version of, of PlayStation VR. I, I really enjoy Sony's products. What I don't enjoy is the Jim Ryan era of PlayStation because, you know, they always talk about for the players. They always talk about that they put the players mm -hmm. first. And I understand <laughs> that they... That's the slogan, right? I, I understand that they have great games. I, I talk about their games in the best light because they're my type of game. See, I'm a selfish player. I like single-player, story-driven narratives where I can invest in the character and I don't have to worry about multiplayer. That, that's me because I'm an old-school player. Like, I, I started gaming in 78. There was no multiplayer. My brother sat next to me. We played Pac-Man. I handed him the controller when I died. That, that was multiplayer, right? Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on the way they handle cross-play the way that they increase the games uh, during a pandemic where they I mean, again, we've seen other companies do it, but Sony yeah. didn't have to do it for their first party. And they did. They figured out a way to do it. What are, what are your thoughts of what everyone had to say? And what are your thoughts on the controversy that's surrounding SIE right now? Well, you guys know I have a voice of an angel, right? So I got a little something here for you guys. It goes something like this. I know you like to thank Yosh. Don't stank, but lean a little closer. See, roses really smell like poo, 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 poo. <laughs> yeah, roses really smell like poo, 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 poo. We're, we're losing. Little, we're, we're losing. That, uh, that was just a little outcast for everybody. <laughs> exactly. No, uh, in all seriousness. <laughs> um, first, I believe that um, none of these companies ever wanted to be part of this uh epic versus apple uh no i i, I, I agree with you I, because, I think they were all very shocked by that yeah so once they all got pulled in and all this dirty laundry starts coming out they're just you know shaking in their little space boots you know and um it shows uh exactly what what i think sony has been for a long time now they make great games. They, I love their games as well. Boom. Their first party games are absolutely top notch, probably some of the best in the industry, but they do have, or they do seem like they're, they're they do their typical smoke and mirror Sony's in my, in my opinion, they will literally say whatever at any given time to get that momentum and, get their fan base on their side regardless of what their true intentions are in the background example of this crossplay this crossplay has been happening they've been against this for a long time i believe in 2018 um there was an interview with the higher up in, uh of sony's um, what was his name I, I don't remember his name but it was um oh shoot Oh, I, I don't really know his name. But when he was asked about crossplay uh, after he had left the company, he said that uh, when he was at Sony, they said that the reason for internally not allowing crossplay was money. You know, they didn't like someone buying something on an Xbox and being used on a PlayStation. And, and it was something as simple as that. Um, and it goes to show you that S Sony wants to like max said greed right they want to keep every everything to them consolidated to them right there and i i know we're just going on sony on this here and, and i know this price hike i i know what they've done with their stores now they've stopped selling digital codes 
on third party uh, yep. stores, you know, Walmart and Amazon, things like that. They've stopped selling digital codes. They want everyone buying at their store. And I get it, business, right? I, I completely understand. This is not just a harp on Sony. But the idea that they claim to do everything for the players and their slogan literally says for the players just doesn't make sense. Once you start adding up all these things, everything that Mag uh, painted earlier and, and said earlier is absolutely true. There's a lot here to see that we need to to see beyond what's going on, in my opinion, as well. Um, I, I know Sony is it's got a bad light on, on on them right now, but I also look at Epic and and I don't like what they did either. You know, just you know, telling Sony, hey, let's let's you know, maybe it's just because base they were the um. They had the the fan base. They had the, all, the hundred million plus consoles out there. The the Fortnite numbers on on PS4 were probably uh, you know out of this world, and they really wanted them to continue with this crossplay. But it makes you think also about the Unreal Five engine reveal that they did with the PS5. You know yeah. why was Epic and why would once something once this information comes out you just start like looking at the breadcrumbs and then it you start to question all these things like how genuine was this or was this all part of a, a bigger strategy that they had in the background like they wanted to make sony uh the heroes the like heroes, kind of what he said yeah. exactly yeah, on the, uh, during the email you know, and it goes on and on. They said we'll give you the data and all things like that. So, yeah, man, it's um, it's unfortunate that something like that this comes out, but it's also extremely eye opening, especially for the consumers. But you said something extremely important, boom, when you were talking about this. You said that you feel like the tides are turning, and you think it's because of Phil Spencer's community first One ideology. Yep. Right. 100%. And I completely agree with you. And we said it multiple times here on the show that we feel like some of these executives from Microsoft, they actually have a relationship with some of the people here in the community, actually with a, a lot of us in the community. How many times do we interact with some of the higher ups and they'll actually respond back? Sometimes some of us will even get to be on a party with them and they'll you know, Jason Rano, Aaron Greenberg, uh, Major Nelson, Larry you know, Hurd, even you, Phil you, Spencer. Just, yeah, real quick, let me just jump into for yeah. that because this is the difference. Uh, again, I, I understand it's corporate America, but a perfect no. example. I was having an issue with my Elgato, Joe. Uh, I, for some reason, I can't turn on HDR when I have it on the Series X, right? And what I didn't know is that I need the better version that allows HDR pass through. I didn't know that, right? Like I'm, 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 I'm all thumbs when it comes to like, you know, tech. I'm just not a, a tech head like that. I understand it, but there's, there's things out of my, out of my depth. Don't you know, I reach out to the creator of the series X and he actually takes the time to DM me, hey, Craig, this is what's going on. You can try this. If you, if it's still not working, reach out, reach back out to me, and I'll and I'll and I'll talk to somebody on the dev team. Who does that? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I think as time goes forward, like that, like I, because I really feel like they are they are creating kind of these sort of lifelong fans in in doing that. And remember. Corporations don't have feelings, right? They don't care about you. 
but people work for those corporations and those right. people will reach out to you. Those people will respond to you. Those people will acknowledge you. And that yeah. is important. And when yeah. people say they don't understand why, you know, people are fans, you know, because Xbox doesn't have those third person trip, uh, over the shoulder story, narrative, adult themed, whatever games like Xbox is building a community that I, I, I think is, and they're acknowledging that community and the, the people at Xbox are a part of the community with you, right? Oh, and that I think goes a long way. And I think the more they do what they do, right? It's, it's a long road. They're taking the long vision. I think Sony is thinking about right now money, yeah. right? That's yeah. every, all the moves they're making seems like it's, a, it's about right now in the moment and tomorrow's problem is tomorrow. Right. What? And, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. And on the opposite of the spectrum, what we have is on the PlayStation community. I don't see that from any other their higher ups. Let's say not necessarily they even have to, right? But we don't see that from the community. We don't see the. We we started to see a little bit now with Returnal, right? But a lot of the community, especially on Twitter, are more worried about hating on xbox talking the console war every day you know this this and that rather than acknowledging the problems that are affecting them right now or could potentially be affecting them in a year or two you know can you imagine kind of like what mag says like i i, I mentioned this on on a podcast a long time ago too i believe that the ps5 was their best prototype not because they wanted to release that, but kind of like what well, they got caught with their, you know, with their pants down, and mm -hmm. they need to release something. So, can you imagine if they release another PS5? I mean, it's not, you know, in a couple of years. Like, it, uh, it, I think it's uh, going to be within the next twelve months, dude. I'm yeah, going to be honest oh, with you, based on the be, reports that we're starting to see, and they're, they're they're saying that it's for to 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 put be able to put more consoles out there. I think it's, it's mm -hmm. there's more to it than that yeah. but we, we again we we're not going to know but you know let, let, let's get crispy bombs yeah. opinion uh on here cyber uh good stuff as always crispy w w you heard everyone on the panel so far but i know that you have a very unique opinion of what's been going on with sony ver when you talk about you know the way that they're handling things as opposed to the way xbox is handling things so i'm obviously it is night night and day we we we, we see how game pass has changed the industry in a way that i don't think anyone saw coming except for microsoft because they're the ones that created this back in uh, when they launched it in June of 2017 and it has been nothing short of an incredible journey for them uh, it, and, and, and it's made uh, people uh, in places you know like SIE want to they're gonna have to they're gonna have to pivot based on what has happened with game pass what, what, what are your thoughts on the blocking crossplay uh, situation along with everything else that's come out of the epic versus Apple uh, court proceedings well and let me, let me just put the, the corporate hat on for like like a minute because I can care less about that. Um, you know, you have to think that, you know, at this point, and, and, and Mag brought it up, Cyber just brought it up, you know, your back's against the wall. You have to do things that are unorthodox. The problem with this entire lawsuit is that most of these things happened before that. Before we even knew about the console, technically, yeah. you know, you know, so 
what they were doing was anti-consumer when the PlayStation 4 was the only relevant console. Now, the problem I have is, and this is this is a strange thought, and it's it's only a thought. They they released the UE5 demo for PlayStation on the PlayStation Showcase thing. Okay. Why in God's name did those lawyers and the lawyers have to talk to the client? And even if Apple brings it up, they still have to talk to the client because they have to uh, distribute evenly what is going on, uh, you know, what they're going to bring up as a, a, a argument or anything like that in between each other, because that's the freaking law. A lot of people don't realize that, especially in a civil lawsuit, not not like a civil case, not like you're you're trying to get $500 back from somebody. I'm talking about civil lawsuit. They have to distribute evenly what their arguments are going to be. And you go and give PlayStation this all glory that UE5 is going to be great on PlayStation. But what first party's using it? Ain't none. Nobody. Okay? Yeah. Ain't none. All right. And then the coalition goes and brings it out. And then and a lot of people didn't, didn't see that. Epic Games just put the, the fist pound to them after they did that like like dude like i already know yo you you want to know who's got ue5 right now probably xbox all yeah. right and you know microsoft a lot of people don't realize there's an article came out that they they decided to be a part of this lawsuit a lot of people don't realize that they decided to be a part of it because they know that they did nothing wrong. Like, yeah, there's some things you're like, oh, what the hell is that? Well, I mean, well, they whatever, had those 18 but, games redacted that they have exclusivity on, right? Yeah, but they, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Epic Epic is going to say, well, you know, we can release these emails because Xbox play nice with us because they're going to use our, our, our technical properties. You know what I mean? Why not? You know, they're not they're not going to say nothing stupid to us. But on the other hand, we have this other company that, you know, we, we gave this this great demo, this this great, you know, possibility. And they're just like, no, nah, we're just going to use what we got. And and now, you know, they're looking at it like, OK, well, you know, Xbox had that one thing where you couldn't play the free to play game without the live subscription. And now that's gone. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, and this is right before this, all of a sudden, all these things got coming out. And that was the one thing that you could go and call out on Xbox. It's a little strange. And that's where I go and say, stop thinking about that corporate gosh darn company and think that they care about you because they don't. The only thing we got on Xbox side is people actually talk to us back. They actually respond. They actually tell us what's going on or what's wrong. It's not like Returnal. You're sitting there like, oh, well, I went through three hours and the damn game crashed and nobody's telling me nothing. Oh, there's an update. It's going to fix it. No, it didn't. Oh, there's an update. It's going to fix it. No, it didn't. That's all they say. Oh, hey, everything's great. No, no, no. We're sorry. You know, stuff like that, you know, it doesn't have to come from the dev itself. It has to come from the actual company. I mean, come on. You know, Xbox would be like, hey, this is screwed up. Hey, Gears 5, there's was, there was so many tweets about it. It was, it was so screwed up at the beginning. And it wasn't just Gears and the Coalition and whoever's Twitter handle. 
it was it was also Xbox. Like, hey, we're working on this, and this is at the launch of Game Pass and everything else. A lot of people don't realize that they didn't know what they were into. You know what I'm saying? There's a point in time where you have to look at yourself and you have to say, I spend money on a console. I spend money on playing those games. I spend money on this and that. And I I give you credit, Boom, because you didn't buy Returnal. And I see a lot of hardcore PlayStation gamers that have trashed Xbox over the years actually calling it out, which I appreciate. You know what I'm saying? Saying this isn't right. And the point is, is that PlayStation is not play has no limits. Play has limits, people. I'm sorry. They, They limit you to what you can enjoy. And they do it in their own way to make their money because they have to. Microsoft don't have to. They don't care. They already got Game Pass. They're already giving you a boatload of games for $15 at the most a month. They don't care. All they care about is gaining the trust back of the consumer. And you can see that in every tweet every thought process, the way they work themselves. And you know what? I'm going to align myself with that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit there silent. And when I'm mad, they actually respond and say, hey, the Xbox Live uh, $120, that's over. You know what? And we're going to make free-to-play games actually free. Oh, oh, wait. Wait, you, you heard us? Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just I, I don't understand it. Like these companies, are they paying you? I mean, I mean, how how far are you going to go? I mean, do, do you think it's 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 helping you? I, I don't think it is because at the end of the day, you have to think about yourself. And 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 at least for me, like having so many followers and everything, I have to think about the people that you know may not have what I have or anything else, like. You know, like if you don't want to be a part of Game Pass and you just want Xbox Live, I'm going to say, screw that. You can't triple the price. You can't do that. And that's my point. Like Apple, I'm sorry, I have an iPhone. Yes, I do. iPhone 11. The thing is trash. Absolute trash. Like the, the I've only had it for like a year and a half. The plug's already blown everything else. They will not replace it. They refuse to, and I have to go through the manufacturer's warranty. They will not replace it. I've had my Series Elite 2 controller for two years, and I called them up, and they are willing to replace it because I bought a Series X. Think about that. For two years, and it's my own damn fault because I dropped the thing a couple times. Mm. Okay? I'm I'm sorry. Like, you as a consumer have to look at yourself and say, is this company worthy of my loyalty? And that is the way I look at every single company I deal with, including my, my where I work. Like, it's like, are you worthy of my loyalty? Well, you, you, you make me work my butt off, but you give me four weeks of vacation. That's the way you have to look at it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So at the end of the day, what has been, you know, put out in the dirty laundry. It's all dirty now. You can go and look at what Xbox said, and you can go look at PlayStation said. And the one thing I go back to, and this is why we love Phil on the Xbox side, is is Phil is truly a gamer. Yeah. He has to make money, but he is truly a gamer. And he, he wants to be liked. He wants to be known. And he also knows that, you know, 
playing games is what matters. And I think that's why we got Game Pass. I mean, I, dude, I, I can't believe we have game. I don't even know what to do with myself half the time. I'm like, <laughs> which game am I gonna play? You know what I mean? Like that's that's a problem I've never had, and it's it's crazy, but it's totally pro consumer. I'm sorry. No, no. You, I mean, everyone had great points. Again, obviously, this is this has been a great two hour show for sure. Uh, we got to thank Joe for taking the time to come and hang out with us for two hours. Joe, hopefully, you enjoyed yourself. Obviously, you got a chance to interject your opinion, which of course was done with class and precision, which I expected no less. Joe, I, I kind of would like you to just uh, on your outro tell people what they could expect from your game coming out later in 2021 and where could people reach out to you on social media and potentially check out your game trailers that you have on YouTube for song of iron. Yeah. Um, again, thanks for having me. I love being on. It's uh, it's fun. And it's nice to be part of the conversation too. Uh, it's, I, I like it. It's great. Uh, song of iron is kind of everywhere. Social media wise. I just <laughs> even jumped on the, on TikTok, which is uh apparently what you're supposed to do now so <laughs> i'm just getting going over there but yeah youtube song of iron uh, i've got two trailers up um beta alpha gamer just put a i just gave them a 10 minute gameplay video so you should check that one out that went up uh friday or saturday evening and it shows some of the demo but it's it's a whole chunk and it's very much improved from the december demo and stuff so worth worth checking that out uh, wish listing on Steam, and you know I think I'm most active on Twitter though, so that's a great place to to poke for me and, and ask me. And I've got a an alpha or a, like a beta test that I'm getting people signed up for. So if people are interested in helping out, you know, finish the thing off, um, I'm more than happy to have people sign up and and go from there. And they can find that on my Twitter also. Nice, nice. Well, Joe, thank yeah. you so much for being here, brother. Definitely appreciate you giving us your insight and, of course, talking about Song of Iron. I think it's going to be a big deal for a lot of people, including myself. I cannot wait to play. So thank you for being here. So let's get the rest of the outros. Middle-aged gamer guy, tell everyone where they can reach out to you on That's social right. media, but more importantly, what other shows are you a part of? Uh, well, yes, guys, uh, thank you once again for having me tonight. And uh, Joe, uh, thank you for coming by and joining us. It was absolutely awesome. And uh, honest to God, I greatly look forward to the playing your game. And I'm excited to hear more news on it. So I'm really excited. Uh, and uh, and of course, when it does come, on, uh, come out, we will be talking about it on this show. So yes. Uh, yes, anyways, guys, as always, you can find me here every Monday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Mr. Boomstick XL and friends on Primetime Gaming. Tuesday nights, you can find me at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Gaming After Dark. That's with Noof Nukem, Titan Drago. And uh, yes, uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at The Middle Age Game Guy. That's with a GY at the end, of course. And on the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, you can find me at all one word, all capitals, because I don't know how to be quiet. I am the mag. So, guys, once again, great show chat don't get too excited guys we're just having some fun we're just having some conversation so guys everybody have a great night and we'll see you all next week thank you so much for being here brother definitely appreciate that everborn saga yes Why don't sir we tell us where people check out the everborn saga where can people reach out to you on social media if they want to strike up a conversation well, the answer to all those questions is Everborn Saga. That's Everborn Saga on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Steam. Uh, that's my YouTube channel. But more importantly, EverbornSaga.com. You can get a hold of these comics here. Uh, 
I just got word from the printer that production is done. So they're getting ready to ship the books to me and I'm and everyone's gonna get a chance to check out Ariel's adventure number one. I'm gonna post a video, you guys will see it later. But if you can't wait, go to evermorensaga.com. You can get into the series and I'm gonna have an announcement very soon about the release of Prince of Arcadia chapter four. So uh, check it out, evermorensaga.com and Everborn Saga on your favorite social media platform. Can't nice. wait to talk to you guys in the tweets. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to hearing what you got going on with the Everborn Saga. Thanks for being here. Uh, Cyber Knox, let's get you on out here, brother. Glad to hear that you're back to full power mm. after you know battling COVID for as long as you oh, did. Yeah. And great to have you back. Tell everyone about your YouTube channel. More importantly, what you got going on with the Game Pass Club and where can people reach out to you on social media? Yeah, really appreciate that, Boom. Joe, it was a pleasure meeting you, man. Uh, like we spoke behind the, uh, behind the scenes, your game is looking absolutely incredible. I can't wait to when it releases. Um, yeah, guys, Cybernox on Twitter. Um, not Cyber of Iron, but maybe I'll change that until, you know, I get a little <laughs> bit more info on Cyber of Iron. But, uh, yeah, so Cybernox on Twitter, that's where I am mostly uh, more active. Cybernox, pretty much where gaming is evolved. Uh, and uh, Cybernox pretty much everywhere on my YouTube channel. And I also have my second channel and uh, Xbox Game Pass Club, where it's pretty much a, a book club but for games that are on Game Pass. We'll, we'll select the game at random, play that game to try to, you know, expand our gaming portfolio and use Game Pass for exactly what it is a discovery mechanism for us to explore new genres, you know? Nice. So I'll be picking a new game this week, pr uh, probably Wednesday. So there will be a new video uh, on that on Wednesday on Xbox Game Pass Club. That's also on YouTube and Twitter. And I can't wait to be here next week. Again, talking game with you, with you guys. Thank you. Definitely appreciate it. We look forward to having you back next Monday evening. Crispy Bomb, another special guest. Thank you for jumping in, brother. We definitely appreciate you being a part of the conversation. Of course, dropping the knowledge bombs that you're known for. Tell everyone what other shows you're on and where can people reach out to you on social media? Hey, it was a pleasure. Uh, Joe, absolutely, you know, looking forward to this game and your enthusiasm and your descriptions were just incredible. And it just, it makes me super excited for it. Um, yeah, but at Crispy Bomb on Twitter, Crispy Bomb 28 Xbox Live. You can find me at Retro Renegades tomorrow night, 7 p.m. We also got the next podcast Thursday, 8 p.m. prime time. And then the following morning, 10 a.m. Breakfast of Boom. Yes, hit me up. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being here, brother. And everyone, listen, this has been a fantastic show. I want to thank the Super Chats that came in. Obviously, you help power the show. And, of course, we had almost 300 people here. And you know what? That's not bad, considering that Colt Eastwood, good friend of the community, launched his show today. And, obviously, you know, you're going up against a gargantuan uh, talent like uh, Colt Eastwood. You know, I, I just want to say a big thank you from the bottom of my heart to the entire community that tuned in. To keep this show going obviously we've been doing this for over a year we love being here and we love entertaining you and we hope that you were entertained so once again thank you for tuning in and of course i'm going to close out the show with something that's important to me hopefully one day it'll be important to you and that's something that my dear old dad taught us when we were kids and i think now more than ever it's super important he said son treat others how you want to be treated and also it doesn't cost anything to be nice, you live by those rules, and I can guarantee you, you're going to have 
an awesome day. So take care, everyone. We'll see you next week on the newest episode of Primetime Gaming with Mr. Boomstick and Friends. And hit them.